right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the TO Show, man. I am really excited this week. Um, man, we have a fantastic guest, just like, honestly, a guest unlike any other uh, this week. Um, it's going to be probably one of my favorite uh, guests to have on the 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 TO show here. Definitely to get early. I know he's a very busy man. Before we dive into things, guys, don't be afraid to you know if you like this content, don't be afraid to subscribe to the podcast. Like you know, leave a comment. Let me know what you think about the content. But let's dive into things, guys. And we have one of my favorite coaches, one of my favorite people on this earth, man, Coach Catuso. Welcome to the TO show. I am so glad to have you on coach. It is an honor to have you on. I know you're very busy and uh, you know, it's awesome to be here with you coach. I appreciate you having me. I, when you asked me to come on, I was excited about it and uh, I don't know what the heck you're going to ask me. It's not like I got any list of things, but um, I'm excited and I'm never too busy for one of my players, whether it's present or past, you know, I mean, that's something I've always believed in. I, I'm, yeah, and I'm excited to see you taking this. Someday I, I, I want to come on when you're a big famous star on your podcast on ESPN someday. Oh, that would be that that would be sweet, Coach. You might yeah. you might be, if we're if we get this, you know, up there, Coach. I think you might be the first one to get you on because hopefully, man, after this one, we'll we'll keep keep climbing the keep climbing the the ropes here and uh, keep growing. But, Coach, um, as as we dive into things here, Coach, you know. Uh, coming to UAlbany and let's talk a little bit about yourself coach a little bit about your background and how you got to UAlbany because I don't think a lot of people are familiar you know with your background and, and coaching is you know very rigorous and very tough to get in the spot you know you've got lucky to get in the spot and and that you've been and and how have you got there coach and just go along a little bit about your path you know I, I traditionally coaches are grad assistants and do all those kind of things and I, I kind of took a different path to this level of football and you know, so I think internally on the team, you, you know that that I was in law enforcement for seven years out of college. I, I was a criminal justice major in college and all I ever wanted to be was a uh, chief of police somewhere, you know, and, and uh, but I got kind of got sidetracked coaching high school football at Seton LaSalle and I ended up that worked out really well, won a championship and ended up at uh, got to Duquesne University job and, and left my gun and badge behind. And, and, uh, I, I just kind of luck would be it. I was just right time at right place with the right athletic director that was looking for someone like myself to take over the program. So, you know, I, I, I've been very fortunate in my life to, to, to go from high school to, to college and then to university of Pittsburgh with Dave Wanstead and, um, university of Maryland with Randy Etzel. And so I've, I've been around great people and, and um, learned a lot from some really high quality football coaches, but probably more importantly, really high quality people. And, and, uh, and when I had a chance to be a head coach again, I, this was just fantastic. Albany was just perfect for me to come to and, and to start trying to build this program, which we, I think we've all done a pretty decent job of and hope to do better this year, but it's not your normal track, but it was an interesting track and it's something, you know, I'm proud of what I've done and, and excited about the future here. So, Coach, when you when you t originally took the job to UAlbany, you know, what was something that stood out to you that made you, you know, jump at the opportunity to be able to take a the, this head coaching job? And, you know, was there something specific or was there multiple things that you kind of saw uh, in Albany, not just from a first year basis, but down the road to where the success we had in 2019 and hopefully the success we're going to have this year? 
You know, when you when you think about how, you know, I, I'm a, a big Malcolm Gladwell fan and, and who's a writer. And I think he's he's if you get a chance, you really want to help yourself in your career and your future. Read some Malcolm Gladwell. And, and one of the books I really thought was really cool was it, it's about opportunities. You know, it talks about it. it shows you how people it's not about intelligence or good looks or money or any of those things it's really about taking advantage of opportunities and and when i was at maryland i thought i wanted to be a head coach again and, and good fortune called because my good friend bob benson just happened to reach out to me and tell me that um coach ford was going to retire i had no idea the job was open i would have never applied for this job if it wasn't for that phone call and i got my resume and application and literally the friday before the sunday deadline so you wow. talk about good fortune and, and uh, being in the right place at the right time. So um, the thing that attracted me to Albany at first was just I really wanted to be a head coach again. I wanted to coach my own team. I want to, I, there's a certain way I think I want to treat people and players, and I was really excited about taking over a program again. And coming to Albany, i never forget on my when I flew in and uh, Kathy Probst picked me up at the airport, and she brought me in that back way. And the first thing you see when you come on is the stadium. Yeah. And, I, and I just, I was really lit up when I saw the stadium. I thought, you know what, this is really cool. This is what I've been looking for, you know, a place to call home. And, and uh, so I really, that was, that was a really important thing to me. Uh, and then I met the people, you know, guys like Charlie Volker. And, and at the time was Lee uh, McElroy was the AD. And, and uh, so I got to meet these great people and, and I was just really sold on it. When I left my interview, I was like, I want this job. You know, it was the people and the, environment and uh that stadium i just i think our stadium is really cool i really like it a lot yeah i think it's very unique that our stadium kind of also when we get the homecoming or even in the the early games where all the college kids and and uh, yeah the firm and then you got the, the club down below the scoreboard and then the whole you know grandstand that's i think that's something that's really cool that especially when homecoming comes along or the stadium's full and you you feel Kind of the support of the community i think that's 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 something that really appeals to you know a, a lot of people and 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 even fans to come in and say hey we're building something here and you know we're going to try to reach out and, and grow the program and i think that's that's awesome and i think you know coach you've probably been the number one part of that is growing you know creating a culture and and growing you albany to to where it is today but coach going a little bit uh, to your philosophy and stuff where, you know, you, uh, there's a lot of, you know, probably people in Erie who are big Penn State fans. Coach, you're an alumni of Penn State, played football for Coach Joe Paterno. You know, where do you think you've kind of, you know, is there a particular pers person um, that's kind of molded you to your coaching style? Or has it just been a, a bunch of different people and, and, and good things that you learn from the good things and the bad things and kind of just make it your own. Um, just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I, you know, I think we all develop as, as you'll see, as you get older, you, you know, you, you had a great coach and coach Mishler and, and um, I, I know you like big coaches for some reason. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we, I, I've been super blessed with, with people in my life, you know, obviously I, I had a great family, mom and dad and brothers, and, and uh, I had a great family. But when I got into sports, I had these people that were really instrumental from my, you know, Dick Frank, my grade school coach to my high school coach was Tom Donahoe, who was, who later became, so he went from Seton LaSalle head coach to 
he ended up in the NFL and was a GM with the Steelers and a GM with the um, Buffalo Bills. And, um, you know, we're very close to this day. He's been a, a massive influence on me. Coach Paterno was a big influence um, in, in so many ways. It's why it's one of the reasons why you don't see all this. You know, I always talk to you guys about it. Your energy and, yeah. and your motivation comes from within the team. That's where that comes from. We never had signs up and we never did you know, these crazy chants and all. I just, you know, I think that, I think the really great football players I have been around and the great football teams, which there's been many that I've been part of, they, they, they're self-motivated. They're, they, they play because they love each other and not because they're trying to go to a game, win a game or go to a bowl game. And they, they win because they care about each other and they're great teammates. And that's what I'm, that's what I want to build here is, is, is a team that, goes out on the field every day and plays for each other and plays for their fans. And, and that's, that's what I learned off of coach Paterno is that was the Penn state way, you know, and, and he, he was a big influence, but you know, I, there's so many, I mean, Dave wants that is, is one of the greatest human beings I've ever been around. He's a great football coach. He treats people really well. Randy Etzel is a friend and, and um, Randy's a, was probably the most organized human being. He reminds me of you, you're, you're, you smart guys that, get all that analytic stuff is um, he's, he, he taught me a lot of things about organization and structures. And so, yeah, you, you kind of take, as you get older, I'll, I'll be, I'm 59 years old. When, when you, when you are around good people, you're crazy not to absorb what they're telling you and utilizing yeah. in your life. And I, I've, I've done that. I've done that with all the great people I've been blessed to be around. I think that's, that's so true. I think no matter like what it is, for example, for me, growing up playing baseball i had a when i moved around i had a bunch of different hitting coaches that taught completely different things because in baseball you know hitting there's you don't see one way that people hit they hit in a variety of different things and i think as a baseball player having that able having different coaches teach me different things kind of molded me into having probably the best swing I could possibly have because I took every little bit and piece that worked for me and and used it for my game I think it's it's shown with you coach and and I think that's that's super important and I I just don't think there's necessarily one way to do things I think there's multiple ways to do things and uh you know I think sometimes we kind of get hard headed because we had success doing one thing, you know, for example, Nick Saban talking about, well, we got to college football's kind of changed. We got to do, I got to, I got to recruit a little bit differently. I got to play a different style kind of, because, you know, we're all evolving, you know, for the better or the worse, you know, and I think that's, 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 that's super important. And I think being a sponge and we, we've talked to Jawan, uh, last week and we talked to him and he was talking about how he's just a sponge and soaking up every little thing from you know what Julio Jones is telling him or Calvin Ridley or even just Matt Ryan or all these little pieces to be a pro and 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 just being that sponge and I think you know whether you're playing football in the workforce or doing whatever in life I think being soaking up as much information as you possibly can I think that's one thing I'll take away from a lot of these these places and I think honestly it's kind of helped me be the player today because being a freshman and and now today I think I'm a completely different player by soaking up other information from Juwan or JR or you know even even DMAC or people like that I think yeah. that's 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 super cool um, to it's, have it's that. foolish it's foolish not to be around great people and successful people and not you know not at least consider the way they do things you know I, i've always 
like guys to read. You know, I want people to read books and to investigate things. Don't take anybody's word for it or a newspaper or a reporter. You know, look into things. And when you take, when you're around people that are successful, you know, they have a certain quality. You know, it's, and, and you're right, it's not always exactly the same. My way, I've never, the word guru, I always teach coaches and say, well, you're a guru because you know everything, you know, but yeah. it's never about one way. It's about adapting and changing. Um, every single time we walk on the football field every year, we have a new team and a new chemistry and a new culture, no matter how many kids are back. So it, 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 you're crazy not to take advantage of the great people around you. And, and they come in all shapes and forms. You never know when you're going to get a good tidbit that's going to help you move on. Um, you know, I, and you might be shocked by this, but I do actually learn off of you guys sometimes too. Many times the players right. tell me something or say something to me in passing that I'll come in and talk to the coaching staff. Cause that's one of the things that I think coaches get locked that hurt themselves is they don't feel the pulse of their team and they don't, you know, I think the leadership council thing that we've done the last few years has been really, really huge for us because it gives me a much better sense of how you guys are thinking or how you're interpreting things. Cause sometimes you might not interpret it the way I'm, think I'm presenting it. So I, I, I really appreciate the, the, the feedback I get from my players. And it, I think more now than I ever have. And coach, I think that's important. The, what you kind of created a culture there at, at UAlbany is being able to not necessarily an open door policy, but Hey, like I'm here for you to be able to express, Hey, if, you, if there's something coming up or, you know, Hey, I'm here to help you out and here to communicate, you know, I'm not a closed door off and, you know, it's not, there's a lot of things, Hey, this is how we're going to do it. But there's also things, Hey, let me, how is this coming across or other things? I think there's communication. Like coach Davis says, I think anything, you know, a key to a successful organization is, you know, step one is communication and being able Absolutely. to communicate, you know, for whether you're, you know, like you coached at the top here and then to the bottom scout, you know, the last person on the depth chart, I think communication through that entire way, I think is, is so important. And again, whether it's football or life or even just, you know, going out and creating relationships and being able to communicate. And I think that's what makes, you know, creating our culture so well is that we're able to communicate and be open with each other and not kind of closed off. You get, I'll tell you a great little story about listening to everybody. You know, when I was at Duquesne, we had lost our star quarterback graduated and the next camp, we had two guys fighting for the job. And I went around the room in the coaching staff and said, Hey guys, give me your vote. Who you think, the starting quarterback should be because it was really tight and we just were struggling and, and everybody went around and, and, this, and, and so six coaches, five coaches said one player, another five coaches said the other quarterback. And in the back corner was one of my grad assistants. Right. And he was laying on a sofa with his feet up, like he wasn't paying attention. Right. And I, so I look over to him and I said, I said, what's your opinion? You're the tiebreaker. And he said, I don't understand why we, why Neil, no one said Neil Lobick. He hasn't even been given a chance to earn a job. And I went, you know what? You're 100% right. For the next five practices, Neil Lobig's going to be with the ones. We're going to see how he does. So Neil Lobig went out, won the job. And in his career at Duquesne, he threw for over 10,000 yards and over 100 touchdowns. Because that guy in the back of the room had the courage to speak up, and, and, and it made sense to me. So every voice does matter. And if you listen to everybody, you know, it's the only person I can't listen to all the time is Maison. But other than that, you know, I, I do get good feedback. But you should listen to all all angles because sometimes 
Um, that's why I say there's so many times when I'm talking to one of the players and they say something to me and it really resonates. And then they may not know it, but that thing starts to get instituted over the next practice or the next whatever we're doing, you know? So, yeah, I think gathering information and thinking about information is important, whether you act on it or not, but it's good to hear it. I think so too. I think that's what I've learned a little bit and being a, a leader on the team or just even working in business or other things with internships and talking with different people is being able to, I think the best leaders out there, you know, it doesn't matter what title you are, where you are, you know, a position in the company or whatever it is. You know, I want to hear your feedback because everyone, like I said, everyone has a different angle on, on how they do things or even how they interpreted things. And they might, I think sometimes I think on our team a little bit, you know, not every question is a great question. Sometimes on our team, <laughs> there's a couple, a couple guys where it's like, Oh man, I, what, what are you thinking? First of all, but it's, it's whatever, but I think for the most part, 95% of the time, any question or any idea is a, is a, is a fantastic idea. But as we switch gears here, coach, as we look upon, you know, the season coming in here, as we're about to head into camp here, you know, we're going to end up playing, you know, the hardest schedule that we've ever played here at UAlbany coach. What is, what do you think your expectation is for the team? Of course, win every game and, and, and make the playoffs and, and win the CAA first goal, you know, and then work our way through there. But what do you, what do you think, you know, our, your expectation is the team and, and, and as you set up our, uh, as you set up our schedule, which I think is going to be a fun one. Yeah. I, you know, I had said to the coaches and, and I, and I, said to some of the players that that I'm not sure this isn't the hardest schedule anybody's played at Albany period in any sport you know we we're very challenged this year and I love it you know I've, I've always loved playing in tough schedules when when I was a high school coach I scheduled the hardest teams I could schedule my teams against you know when when I went when I was at Duquesne we were scheduling scholarship programs and we didn't have scholarships so I've always believed in challenging the program and, and when this opportunity presented itself um to play North Dakota state in the opener, I, you know, I jumped at it because I think, you know, they've been a great football program, the number one program in the, over the last 10 years and what better place to go play, you know, for us and our team. And I, I'm excited. I can't wait to get going. Um, when, you know, little known when, when I took the job, I literally had a contract with the university of Pittsburgh, like a week, two, three weeks later, it started because, you know, that was something I wanted to do, but I scheduled it out a little bit so we could grow into that type of schedule. I think we've grown into this type of schedule. But when you play in our league and at the, the level of competition in the CAA is the best in the country, top to bottom, no question. Anybody can beat you. Um, very few leagues in the country. Maybe the SEC has that concept, but, you know, we have that in the in the CAA. Um, we got to play a challenging schedule. So I, I, my expectations, you know, you, you say win. I never worry about winning. I just worry about playing well. You know, and, I, and I, if, if we play well and we play our style, I believe we can beat anybody on our schedule. And, and that, that's not going to change. So that's my only expectation is we prepare well and play our best. And I think that we'll have a great year. And I think that um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm just thinking, Coach, how fun do you think it's going to be to be, you know, if we sit back, you know, and possibly a little bit either on the day after or the week after whatever and be like playing in the Fargo Dome or playing in the um, the Carrier Dome, you know, the Carrier Dome has so much kind of 
history behind it, all the basketball games, NCAA tournaments, you know, the Fargo Dome, you know, kind of just, it's unlike anybody other in Fargo. There's nothing else to do on a Saturday in Fargo, North Dakota. First of all, there's nothing to do in North Dakota. Uh, it's all, it's all flatland. They, I'll tell you what they can do is play football. Oh, they can play football. Oh, yeah, I, they play what, football. What was kind of an interesting thing is, so where I grew up in Minnesota, the the powerhouse that I that my family lived in, like usually two or three guys of their top players, they were big time recruited by North Dakota, and they were probably FBS guys, but they just – they it was in Minnesota, so they didn't necessarily get the kind of the – hype or the uh all the ratings or whatever that right. you know, that other people go to and so they they would recruit and then the funny thing is when i moved next to omaha nebraska it was a very similar situation you know and a lot of the guys there also got recruited to uh play north dakota so i think i know i know um, north dakota like, state north dakota state yeah, yeah and so i know like three or actually like three or four guys who you know who i went to or who was either a class above me or class below me who I know of them. I, oh, really? I a real, kind of a, not really a relationship, but I know of them and, and have kind of seen them actually grow, following them on social media and stuff. And it's actually kind of cool as it's coming kind of full circle around moving at different places and you get to yeah. see all these people grow. And I think it's, it's really cool to be able to say, Oh, Hey, I, 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 I knew you since you were like, you know, 10 years old or all this other stuff. And I think it's, 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 it comes back to me. It's, it's such a small world. Yeah. I, I bet you you come across that a lot when it comes to coaching, you know, whether you've been on a staff or you you've came in contact or networked with somebody within the, the coaching staff or the, the coach in general um, is, do you think so, as we dive in a little switch, a little gears here is, you know, what would you give any, any advice to any coach, who's looking, maybe possibly looking to get into whether it's college, high school, or even any sort of coach, um, what, what advice would you give them based on your experience that you've been through? Cause you've pretty much done it at just about every level. Yeah. You know, I think, I think working hard and, and doing what you love is the most important. I never worried about levels. You know, when I was coaching high school, I loved it. When I was coaching Duquesne, I loved it. I loved it at Pitt in Maryland and I love it at Albany. I mean, I just like coaching. And I think um, people get into things for the wrong reasons. You know, if you're, if you're trying to get in and you, you want to make a million dollars because Nick Saban makes 7 million a year, it's great. But that there's like four jobs in the country like that, yeah. you know? And so if you're passionate and love what you're doing and uh, which generally college coaches and high school coaches do, uh, I think that you just, be happy with where you're at and you're making an impact on kids. You know, I, I tell coaches all the time, no one has a bigger impact on kids in my mind than high school coaches. You know I mean? Like I wanted to be a high school coach my whole life. I just, you know, I was in law enforcement, you know, I, I, I couldn't stay. I either had, to, I had to make a decision. So I think that people do things for the wrong reasons. They want to be at the highest level. Of course you want to be at the highest level, but if you got a good job and you're making an impact and you're happy and, and your family's happy, then be, you know, make it work. And if you get a break and things take off for you, great. I've watched, you know, I, one of the best people I know in this business is Jeff Halfley, who's the uh, head coach at Boston College right now, was a U Albany um, assistant coach for many years, worked with us at Pitt. Great young coach, great human being. Um, he had a rocket ship to the, to, to the job. At, uh, he was a GA when I was at, at Pitt and he did 
he just, you know, I'm happy for him because he, he, he's such a great human being and a great person that he got a great, he hit the track right and it worked for him. But most, most jobs don't work like that. Most things you start at the bottom and you grind your way up and someday you get a supervisory job, whatever it might be. And so I, my advice to young coaches is work hard and know what you, and, and love what you're doing and don't worry about the next job. It'll take care of itself. Just keep working and working and working. Yeah, coach, you touched a little bit on it. But just to reiterate, what is your favorite? You, what is your favorite part of being, you know, being able to be a coach and, you know, and make an impact on so many lives? Like think about it, like every year, you know, you know, twenty guys leave, about twenty guys leave, and 10, 15, 20 guys leave, and about another twenty come back, you know, on the team. What is your favorite part about being, you know, a coach? You know, it's funny. There's so many things I could say about that. The, the one thing that I, I, I would tell you now as an older coach that I think is the most amazing thing is, and it, it's, it's, you're going to laugh, but it's, it's Facebook because I love being on Facebook and seeing all my former players that have me as, a, as on their Facebooks. I love seeing their progress and what they're doing in their jobs. I love to see their kids as they're growing up. Um, I, you know, I, I have this group of guys from 19, 88, 89 at Seton LaSalle um, to all the way up to you on my Facebook page somewhere. And, and so like, I, I can't tell you how much I enjoy that to see the success that, that so many of the guys I've had been part of their lives and they've been part of my life, my family's life. And I could, I mean, I could sit here and go down a long, long list of it, but you know, I, I, there's so many of them, but I always think of, there's a young man named one of the guys is Bill Green. Like he, I recruited him out of Northgate High School. He didn't have anybody wanted him. He came to Duquesne, became, you know, he's from a, you know, very, um, you know, uh, kind of middle class family. And now Billy, like he's he's a successful businessman. He's got a bunch of kids. He's a beautiful home. And I just I love seeing, you know, Mike Orsi and all these guys I coach all these years. Um through all the places I've been, that's what I think I like the most. Now, at this age, looking back at it, is is this, to be a part of that and see it the the to be called coach by such quality people. I love that. I think that's that's kind of heartwarming, coach. I think that's that's kind of cool. But I'm serious. That is kind of heartwarming to see. Like I think you know I'm at a younger age, but I could see how that's kind of just so surreal or so cool to see people develop like like i have like luke and eli my little brothers being able to see them from when they were first born to you know where they're at like right now you know even just a short 10 10 10 years you know their their short life but i can't imagine seeing like 30 20 years of yeah of being able to see that and 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 grow with their families i think that would be something that sounds that sounds pretty awesome i, I don't think you can really take anyways anybody can't take that away from you because again they were part of your life you're a part of theirs and, and that's something i think that you know if i were to get in a coach i think that would be something that would be really cool to me be able to impact you know did i maybe i had a very little impact but i made some sort of impact to lead them that's to where they're where they're at today it brings back the, the cool thing is it brings back all these good memories too. You know, I mean, I, I, like I said, I could literally just go on and on and on about all these guys I have on Facebook and I wish I had more of them. I, I, I'm wide open to have my former players on there because um, the, the one negative of it 
is they always were messing with you know that that uh <laughs> there's always a little shot in there once in a while from these guys oh, you know geez. and or, or you know we one of my favorite things is when I go back to Pittsburgh, we usually get together with a lot of the Duquesne guys and the Seton LaSalle guys. Some of them are of the same. You know, we get together at, at a place in the south side of Pittsburgh. And, and I love that night when I do that because it's it's just so much fun. And some of the memories, like, you can't even imagine. Like, they remember so many things that I I guess I did or supposedly <laughs> did. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's just – I just laugh because it's, you know, the – some of the things they come up with and you know me, you know, I'm sarcastic and trying yeah. to be funny. Yeah. And I say that I don't remember half the stuff I say to guys. So, <laughs> you know, they, something I said to one of them and they'll say, coach, you remember the time that you yelled this at us when we were on, we weren't doing well on the field. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't remember that. <laughs> sounds like me, you know? So they yeah, remember all the, uh, they remember all the runs and the lifts and the big wins and the tough losses and, but through it all, there's just, you know, it's, there's so many of them. It's, that's what, that's what at this age and this part of my career, I mean, that's, to, I think social media is sometimes I think it might be the end of society, but it also is one of the great things that we have if, if utilized properly to, to be able to just keep in touch with so many people that I could never keep in touch with if, if I didn't have that platform. Yeah, I think so. I think the purpose of social media like the main purpose I think has been fantastic where all the, where it's kind of gone off and other avenues, that's a different conversation. I don't think it's gone to the, the greatest way, but coach, you've been in this business a long time and we talk a little bit about social media, you know, how, how recruiting, you know, even with this COVID, but prior to COVID, how recruiting has gone. So social media or, or Twitter wise, how have you seen kind of recruiting kind of evolve over the years? If you've been to all these different places and to where it is kind of now, how kind of, how different, completely different it is to even when you were playing, you know, at Penn state getting recruited by Penn state, how, di how different that is. Yeah. It, it's remarkable. You know, it's remarkable. I mean, I remember when I was getting recruited, I was blessed to be recruited by a bunch of places and, I, and, and back in those times, you couldn't watch television at night because your phone would just ring all night. You know what I mean? Like every coach is trying to call you. Now you get text messages, you can multitask and it doesn't really disrupt your life. But back then, you know, I'd, I'd sit to watch a show and then phone would ring. My mother, my mother would say, coach so-and-so from so-and-so university, get on the phone. They got you on the phone for 30 minutes, you hang up, you go over. You know what I mean? Like I didn't go to class. I didn't even go to class back then, hardly my senior year, my first semester, and it showed up in my grades. But it was, um, you know, it was so different because it had to be a personal interaction. Social media has changed all that, not, not just Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff, but also text messaging and, and, and all that has really dramatically changed recruiting. And, and, and you know, I, I, it, coaches that are older than me will tell you the same story. You could be you'd be driving down the street and you know you're in Cincinnati, Ohio. You have your map out on the passenger side, trying to figure out where a school is, and you got to pull off the road and put a fifty cents in a or twenty five cents in a phone booth, which you probably don't even know what a phone booth is. I don't. And know then you'd have to. <laughs> but then you have to, you physically would have to stop and call a kid at three o'clock from the roadside, you know, because but that's the way life was in recruiting, you know, and and I think it's changed video access to us huddles like the revolutionary thing in recruiting right now being able to watch kids so there's a lot of things that make recruiting more accessible for coaches and everybody and and uh, it's a great thing you know but it also uh, it makes it 
now you got way more guys to talk to, you know, but it's, it's, uh, it's changed dramatically and, and new rules are going to change it even more. Yeah. Do you think it's changed probably for the better being able to be able to access those people and be able to communicate, you know, if you're interested in a, in a player being able, you know, on social media, whether you're able to DM them or they have their number on there, we're able to text them, you know, and, and do you think that's kind of easier for that and being able to, okay, evaluating, it's easier to evaluate film because it's, it's everywhere. So, you know, you can, you can see it, you can pull it up anywhere you have internet or do whatever and show people and show coaches and stuff like that. Do you think that's probably for the better then? I do. I think all in all for everybody recruiting is it's, it's a challenge as always. It's relative in the sense that everybody has the same technology. It'd be different if one had and other didn't. Yeah. But yeah, I do. I think it, you know, I can pull up uh, any high school, pretty much any high school kid I want and, and watch his tape and, um, I think the social, I think the ability to use social media and the, and the, the access vert with uh, text messaging and thing is what can really separate a re- great recruiter from an average re- recruiter. Um, you know, I, I can remember when, before they outlawed text messaging, when we first started text messaging, you know, I would go to the mall with my, my daughters were young and my wife and to spend time with my family, we would go to the mall and eventually slither away and get a coffee and start a, you know, an eight, 10 person text message chain with my recruits. And I'd spend, you know, an hour with them that way. So it was a chance for me to spend time with my family, which I wouldn't normally have, but yet still have a great impact talking to kids on, on text message. So that, you know, I was able to utilize that in many ways to help myself, but yeah, coaches have just this incredible access to, to the kids right now and, and vice versa. You have the ability now to, to know all about Albany when you were a kid and when we were recruiting you in high school, you know, you, you have access to our backgrounds. You have access to the university website. You have access. So, yeah, I think information is a positive thing for everybody. I think so, too. I think it's better for, it's, it's better for all parties because I think, you know, if I'm interested in a school, I can find you on Twitter or wherever it is and I can DM you or shoot you or if you have your tech phone out there or shoot you an email, do all these things to, you know, whether you're recruiting me or not, if I'm interested in the school, I think it's, 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 it's kind of like a little bit of a, a kind of swinging door where it's able to go one way and, and, and the other. And I think it's, it's, it's only for the better. And uh, I think, I, I think it'll get, as we go last subject here, coach, how was, how's recruiting like for COVID and dealing with, this is probably the hardest question you're going to have all day for you, coach, but how is it like recruiting and being able to, you know, bring in recruits, but also now everyone has an extra year, you know, and, and keeping them and, and doing whatever, how difficult and, and, and how tough was that on, on you? Cause at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're the head guy, you're probably making the, all just about the final decision on just about everyone. Yeah. I mean, I, that's one of the things, you know, we, the way we do it here is I, I have final say on everything. I don't want ever want, I don't want ever want one of my coaches to feel that they made a mistake on a kid or a kid didn't pan out or a kid had problems or a kid's a superstar. And that guy has eight. So I, I make all those decisions, good or bad. They're all on my shoulders. And I, and I have to do some, you know, I have to have hard conversations sometimes with players. It's not easy. COVID obviously, first I would say this about COVID um, it's been difficult, but nowhere near as difficult as most people in the world have had it with it or in our country. So I hate, I, I hate talking about our little problems as football coaches and athletes, but in our world, in our world, it's, it's, it's been a, a challenge that, that um, I just haven't seen. 
Um, and there's nothing that can prepare you for it. And, um, and the worries that we have every day for you, for the health of our players, our coaches, that, uh, you know, recruiting was dramatically different. And I mean, I just met some of our freshmen yeah. actually shook their hand. You know what I mean? Like that's something that um, is unheard of in recruiting and, and in football. So, you know, I, I, I pray that, that, that we're, we're able to get out of this and get back to a sense of normalcy. It's certainly not done. Um, but uh, it's not, a, it, there, there really was nothing positive in, in it that you could learn from. Usually adversity, you come out of adversity and say, okay, I learned how to handle something. Yeah. I, I just hope that we never have to obviously deal with something like this again, athletically, or certainly as a country. Um, it's just not, there's just no positives in it that I can find. Now, um, I, the, the one positive I, I would say was it was joyous seeing you guys when you got back, you know, and, and I think that I think we we as coaches all felt that, you know, and I think our wives were really happy when you guys came back so they could get us out of the house a little bit, you know. Um, you don't know what it's like to be boxed up with a coach that's not coaching. It's no fun for, for our families. So, um, but, but yeah, it, it, it was a, a, a unique and, uh, experience that I hope that we don't all have to go through again because it was difficult and continues to be. I think, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully soon we can get back to, at least we're trending in the right direction to normalcy. Absolutely. And that's, that's, right. that's the positive to take out of it right now is, Hey, we're trending in the right direction and hopefully yep. sooner than later, Hey, we'll, we'll be back to normal and, and we'll get ready to go. But coach, I really appreciate you coming on the TO show and I know you're very busy, but I, again, this was awesome being able to talk to you and, you know, and, and, and doing all these things, you know, I think the next, next step is I got to get coach Mish on to absolutely on as well and, and have a, a awesome conversation, but coach, I appreciate you coming on. And it was honestly a, an awesome conversation to have with you. Well, I appreciate you having me and, um, Maybe you should have me and Coach Mish at dinner some night together and while we're eating. Because, you know, although he's skinny oh. right now, I saw him. He, he's been, I, Coach Mish has been losing some weight. I, I, I see Coach him. Mish. Yeah, hey, shout I out to Coach. Him. Shout out to Coach Mish. Keep grinding, Coach. I see you. I saw him on Facebook and I saw that he's lost a lot of weight. So I'm happy. He's a, he's a great one. I, I love, love Coach. I love Coach yeah. Mish. He, he's, he's, he's a, character and he's such a he's like he's a little bit like you coach he's a teddy bear inside he might be a little bit harder on the outside but he's a teddy bear inside i love it no he's he's he is he's a good one it's you you had a great one to work with there so but again all right thanks thanks coach i appreciate you coming on no problem thanks man